Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my review of the Menagerie. I've played it quite a bit. All three bosses have been released. We don't have heroic mode, but I wanted to give my thoughts on the on the entirety of it. If you caught my my impressions of opulence, you know that I think this is a really good activity. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. If I'm not live, you can always follow the channel or hit like and subscribe on the YouTube. That actually helps me as well. So again, if you saw my impressions of opulence, I did a flyover of Menagerie it was only a couple days into the season. I said I thought it was some of the best PvE content they've ever made. I've been very pleased to see a lot of agreement from the community on that. I've seen articles, blogs, videos all saying this is the best PvE content that is in all of Destiny. And I agree with that. I mean, like I said, I was only... I had played it a handful of times before I went out of town for EA Play and E3. And I was just like, this is fantastic content. It's built so well. I wanted to dig down and comment a little bit more, though, on the individual pieces of it. And also kind of give some commentary on... You can kind of cheese the chest right now. And people are like, well, if they patch that, I'm not going to run it anymore. And I want to speak directly to that as well. Because I think that's a little bit of a of an absurd response. Given how great the content is with respect to intentionality and respecting your time. So first I want to talk about the fact that it's a six-man matchmade activity. And what that means. And why you know we can hopefully learn from this and see more of you know content like this. Especially after the nine-man escalation protocol enjoyment that we had for such a short period of time. It was no longer necessary, so a lot of people just stopped doing it. I want to talk about variety and spectrum, and then I want to end by talking about the loot and the intentionality. So if you've been cheesing the chest and you're upset that they're going to patch it, I am going to speak directly to that at the end of the video, so stick around for that. So, six-man matchmade, let's talk about that. Bringing back the size and the sort of the intensity and the feel of like a nine-man escalation protocol is exciting. I think they did a very good job with this content, especially against the backdrop of Reckoning. I think Reckoning left a, you know, a pretty bad taste in people's mouths. It was a very good. The matchmaking was kind of rough. The content itself was not very rewarding. It's like everything that Reckoning lacked, Menagerie has in spades, if you want to think of it in that respect. I mean, we're going to get into the loot and the intentionality and the variety. And at every point of those sort of value markers, Menagerie is significantly better than Reckoning. So I think that helped it too, as Reckoning was kind of a sore spot for a lot of the community it's perfect i think for folks who can't raid as well so if you think about the fact that for a while now bungie has had to think about the fact that raids are sort of a crown jewel of a season or a dlc raids are something that's a spectacle you watch people race you watch streamers you know go for worlds first then you watch streamers help people and carry people and then there's lfg and then there's sherpas and you know and and all those layers of you know why raids are so great and raids are so fun and then a lot of people just feel like they miss out on that aspect of the game well this is i think a great sort of step below it's six-man activity it's match made it it, it doesn't take too long it's fun it's intense and i also think because of the spectrum of what it offers the fact that you can't fail if you match make and your team's kind of like bad or if you have a really really strong stacked team and you're blitzing it and you're doing a really really good job i think the spectrum of player gets to kind of land on this and enjoy it as they as they play right as the, as the content happens like what's their what's their favorite 
you know, what's their favorite type of way to play? Because when I play with the stacked team, I mean, we blitz it. And I went in with three people, and then matchmaking filled in the three missing spots. And we still had a great time, and we blitzed, and we had some great players with us. It might have been two, two groups of three. And that was really cool to know I can just jump into this content. And even though maybe we don't beat it as fast, I can go in and have a good time. So let's talk about that variety and spectrum, because I think these are important facets for future content as well as this present content. Having three different bosses that rotate, number one, huge value point. We need more of that. If you're going to make loopable content, if you're going to make content like Blind Well, Escalation Protocol, I think the boss rotation is a big win. I think it kind of keeps things fresh. Each week, it's a little bit different. It would be cool if each individual boss had something that could drop that maybe you were chasing each different week. But I understand why, with the way they set up the chalice in this in this encounter and this this content, maybe they're leaning away from that now. They don't want to have like, oh, you've got to wait until it's the Vex Minotaur, or you've got to wait until it's this boss to get a particular item. Maybe they're they're moving. They might be moving away from that when they do this type of content. But having three bosses adds to the variety. The encounters themselves are very, you know, different. There's a lot of differences between them standing on plates and having the hallways of hive and then you've got the thing at the beginning with the ball throwing and I mean, well the charging of the lamps is pretty basic but then you have the room where you got to grab the souls and then sometimes that room is different and you don't grab the souls you can't go outside of the <clears throat> excuse me you can't go outside of the clouds that kind of protect you so i love that each individual encounter is different and they each bring their own version of intensity that was another really, really smart move. So when you think about variety, it's not just in like the mechanics and the enemies, but it's also in the fact that like the longer you're in that encounter, the harder it gets and the enemies come out and they're stronger and, it, and then you see swords and then it, you know, it gets tougher and tougher and tougher, but beating them has a reward. So that variety within the difficulty and the variety within the encounters, I think lands really, really well on the spectrum of player, you know, hardcore all the way down to the more casual player who just wants to boot up on a Friday night. This is one of the reasons why I think a lot of people are saying this is the best PvE content they've ever made, because deep down everyone knows, even if you're not a casual player, sometimes you want to play casually. Sometimes it's a Tuesday night and none of your buddies are available, or you just want to boot up for a little bit of time on your lunch break or whatever, and you can just jump in, matchmake, get it done, get some stuff. So I think it's also exciting to see that there's a heroic version on the horizon. I'm actually very interested to see what heroic brings. Are they going to be bringing new weapons, new mechanics? Is it going to be harder? Is it going to be more rewarding? Is there going to be more benefits? Like, are you going to get maybe runes? Are you going to get maybe other things that you can't get in normal? And that to me is encouraging. I think we need to go back to where there's difficulty spectrum. We need to go back to where there's hardened you know prestige heroic versions of content because I think that's a huge miss right now in the game especially when you think about raids if they start to bring raid specific perks if they start to bring you know raid guns and set bonuses that's not going to land well unless there's like an actual like harder version on the horizon why am I getting a full set of raid gear why do I care about in raid perks because by the time you get everything you're not really you know rerunning the raid but you might if a harder version was coming with a loot incentive to run it Speaking of loot, let's talk about loot and intentionality. And if you watch my review of Crown of Sorrow, I'm pretty hard on that raid with respect to the loot. Mainly because I think we've had a persistent problem since Last Wish and even Leviathan. Well, not necessarily Leviathan. Since Last Wish, we've had a pretty persistent problem of the loot not being that interesting in the raids. You can point at the Anarchy and the 1K voices and the new SMG. 
I think Menagerie makes this problem even worse, and I'm going to explain what I mean. The loot and the intentionality is such a great framework. The loot is 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 you can you can chase the specific piece that you want. If you really grind out your chalice, you can get it to where you can pick the masterwork that you want. That level of intentionality is fantastic. It's a wonderful evolution of the Eight of Bounties. If you go back after Black Armory, I have been I have been harping on the Ada Bounty thing for a long time to the point that people were like leaving me comments on my YouTube and saying, dude, we get it. You like the Ada Bounties. You don't need to keep harping on this issue. Well, this is exactly the evolution I think we needed with respect to player intentionality. Remember how I said you could charge up the bounty, discharge it, get the item and charge it up again so you don't have to go back to the tower? That's like literally what the chalice is. It's an item that's just always in your inventory. You charge it up and then you kind of pick the item that you want i mean it's it's almost verbatim one of the suggestions that we had as a community that we put out there because i remember saying man it'd be great if we didn't have to go back to the tower because the load times for consoles and we kind of batted an idea some ideas back and forth and we came up with you know charge bounty, you know charge up bounties which is essentially what the chalice is right now though i think people are getting spoiled and you need to be careful as a player you can leave the instance and go back and keep opening the chest and get numerous drops. That's great for your power grind. It's also great when you're looking for a particular role. Let's say you have enough runes to get the hand cannon five times. Well, there's plenty of time on the clock to leave the instance and come back and open the chest five times. And people are getting very, very spoiled by that. If you go in with a really, really stacked team, the menagerie takes, what, 10 minutes? And then you get the item that you want. There is not a loot grind in Destiny that is that intentional. Nightfalls, even if you speedrun them, you know, 8 to 10 minutes, and you may not even get the item to drop. This is guaranteed. People are like, oh, if they patch the instancing cheese, I'm not going to run it anymore. I don't really know what other content you're comparing it to. What are you actually, you know, what turnover of loot gives you that much intentionality and that much speed? So it is going to get patched, and I would really encourage players not to be angry about that this is fantastic content great player agency and 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 like fantastic like answering what the community's been asking for and we don't want to sully that by being like oh you should let us cheese it and just because if you think about it the cheese is really expediting people getting the roles that they want and that's not what that's not kind of how you want content to go you don't want to get the role that you want like overnight that's bad for the content's longevity so overall i love the menagerie i want more content like this community should just be prepared for the patch on the cheese of the chest and as a as a content framework, this needs to influence future framework. Ada, bounties influence this. This needs to influence virtually every piece of grindable content Destiny makes with respect to spectrum of player difficulty, variety, player agency, intentionality. It's excellent. So if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. As with all of my content, I appreciate you listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that came after my review of The Menagerie. I gave a pretty good review of it. Love it. And uh, obviously, I think the chest cheese is going to get patched and people should be okay with that because it's not really good for the content I don't care if people do it, I've done it, but if it gets patched, I hope people don't get too angry, if you're listening to this on iTunes Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage, I might be live right now, uh, so come on in and join the conversation, let's just jump right into the first 
question. And we're just rune farming, so I'm not going to be doing a whole lot of great gameplay here. I'm letting these guys kind of blitz it for me. I'm playing with some friends. Uh, Novahan says, Hey Lono, what do you hope to see from Heroic Menagerie? Well, I think a lot of people are looking at the loot pool and they're seeing that things are missing. So Heroic Menagerie may obviously increase the loot pool size. We may get you know, some of the missing pieces. I think somebody said this morning, sword, pulse rifle, and something else. Uh, But I wouldn't mind seeing it also get different. You know, don't just raise the light level. Don't just raise the power level. Have the encounters change. Have the mechanics change. I think that'd be fun. I just miss that. I miss feeling like I'm going into a new encounter when it's on heroic mode. Because I remember when we got really, really accustomed to King's Fall heroic, and for whatever reason, sometimes we ran it normal. I can't remember why, but we would run it normal with people. And also I was like, oh my gosh, this is just so different being that it's normal. The, you know, the the not needing to shoot the Light Eater Knights and the different pain points that just were absent. I don't know. I miss that feeling of the raid being very, very different the minute you're in hard or normal, like comparatively. And that's why I continue to harp on the... King's Fall difficulty raid philosophy was perfect. They designed hard first and then they scaled things back for normal. And so it created this very clear line of distinction between the two versions of the raid. And I think that, that that's, a, that's like a needed philosophy to return. Um, and I, 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 I miss that because one of the things that was really fun too especially about Wrath of the Machine was you had normal hard and then you had challenge mode and that's another thing I think that is missing you know you do the challenge bounties from Hawthorne or whatever it's just not quite the same as as the challenge modes that we had that rotated and you know very very much changed the fights and stuff so I, I kind of miss that and I, I would love to see some of that spectrum come back to the game some of those dynamics that just aren't present right now and I hope that maybe the Menagerie Heroic Mode can be the first step in that direction. But Cannabis, uh, heard you talking about FOV earlier. What FOV setting do you use? Generally speaking, I'm always around 100. I was going to say 100. Yeah, 100. And I do that in most games. I think once you get beyond 100, it can get a little fish eye on you and get a little weird. And also, you don't need you don't necessarily need that much FOV in, in a game like this the broader the FOV, the more it's having to render and draw. And so it can affect frame rate a little bit. And so I get a pretty rock solid 120 uh, frames, which is better for capture. In in my experience, it's been better for capture. You go above 120 and the game gets kind of funky on you in in the um, in the capture mode. And it, like you get tearing and weird stuff, which doesn't always happen. Like, I don't know. The internal Elgato card, it just seems kind of finicky. Uh, I'm kind of waiting for someone to make maybe a less finicky card that enables me to run my games at 144 and then capture and just send a nice crisp 60. Uh, it'd be nice if we could if we could get a card that does that. I may I may be looking into Magewell because of that. I think people that run Magewells tend to have better luck. But in any case, I run FOV at 100, and I think anything above that just like I said tends to get a little fish eye. And uh, and and again, it can also create some degraded fidelity and smoothness. You know, you lose some of that frame rate. 
My, I don't know how often the 120 even drops. We just got like a 117 blip there and a 119. So it's it's usually pretty rock solid on the 120. Bo Johnny says, do you think they do more menagerie type style in the future? And if so, what would you improve on it? Honestly, I don't, I, I, this is one of the few times where I'm, I'm going to say, I don't, I don't see really room for improvement. I don't. I said this morning, like right now, I want the rune of desire. Okay. I want that. I would love to have rune of desire because I want to farm for the hand cannon. But since they're giving me so much intentionality beyond that, I can't really get mad at the fact that I may or may not get Rune of Desire, right? Once I have a bunch of Runes of Desire, I can go in. If I fully upgrade my Chalice, I can even pick the freaking Masterwork on on the gun before getting it. I mean, that's that's a ton of intentionality. So for me, so for me, I would say th- I don't necessarily want them to improve upon anything. The only potential. I just got another rune of desire. Sweet. The only potential pitfall that I see is this. Once my chalice is fully upgraded and I'm not using the chalice for like armor pieces anymore or power leveling. Let's say I never really want boots anymore. There's going to be a point where I get there. Okay. If once I get there, I would add some conversion currency, like economic backstop. So I'm going to give an example. Let's say I go into my chalice and I and I have 13 rune of the beast for submachine guns. I'm going to get to a point where I don't want that that I don't want that rune anymore. I'm going to end up with a an, a ridiculous stack of them. It'd be nice if I could turn in 5 maybe for one of my choice or something or turn in 5 for a currency item that once you have enough of that currency item you can maybe just buy one rune from Werner I think that's fair and here's why if I'm grinding like crazy and I have 50 rune of the beast that I have zero interest in it'd be really really nice if I could get something for that some return for that investment I'm not going to die on that hill I'm not going to make some big long video and be like Bungie needs to do this this is ridiculous but I'm going to be like you know what I think this would be a fair way to really capstone this kind of content and really give us that feeling of our time being respected. You're already really respecting my time and my grind, but it'd be nice to have some some reasonable level of economic conversion, not just one-to-one rune swapping. Because if I could go right now and just rune swap for 30-something rune of desire, I think that's absurd. But if I could take you know, 50-some runes, turn them in, and get, I don't know, four or five rune of desires from 50 runes, I think that's a fair, that's pretty close to a fair and reasonable conversion rate. Because I didn't get those runes just hanging out. I was grinding for them. Now, I know people are doing macros and AFKing for runes. Those people need to have their freaking accounts permed because you're just a total freaking jackwagon when you do that. Like, you, you need to get, you need to get at least a temp ban two-week temp ban for doing that like ruining the experience of other people doing freaking afk macroing and crucible and 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 gambit and everything else like those people need to be banned i saw some of the pvp guys on twitter being like people are really exaggerating this afk macroing like why do you care so much first and foremost shut the frick up 
you don't get to denigrate someone's irritation with people literally not playing the game. You don't get to like talk down to people for being frustrated at something that is legitimately stupid and needs addressed. You know what I mean? You don't get to like get on some like weird high horse look. I can't believe people are getting upset about like AFK macroing. You know what I personally think? I personally think those people are probably doing that offline. They're probably AFK macroing and like strikes and gambit and they see people getting mad about it and they like feel the need to like defend themselves. It's not that big of a deal. Translation, I'm doing it off stream. <laughs> like it's lame. It's it, it kills and hurts the experience of other players and it should be addressed. It's bogus. And I just think that it, it, it 100% needs addressed. Acting like it's not that big of a deal is just such a weird attitude to take, which again seems to, to me, indicate that you're probably doing it. It is a big deal. It is, it, it is experientially damaging to other players and needs addressed. But, you know, if I'm putting in the time and I'm grinding and I'm getting those runes, at least legitimately, I think having a conversion... I think having a conversion economic conversion rate is completely and utterly fine Uh, I think it's totally fine I think that the the stockpiles we're going to end up with are going to need addressed they're going to need addressed so macro AFKs are great for getting bounties done by killing them right but if you're trying to play Gambit or Crucible, and you got a bunch of those those douche wagons on your team. It's really, really frustrating. That's the main is- issue. I don't think people are like, "Oh my gosh, AFKers on the other team. This is ridiculous. This needs patched." I think people are like, "Dude, you're on my team, and you're staring, you're jumping in a corner and shooting the wall. Like, come on, like you know." Uh, and Tunica. With the Datamine Secret Triumphs, do you think the Heroic Menagerie will simply be a timed version with matchmaking turned off? Well, matchmaking is turned off, but I'm not exactly sure if it's just going to be timed. That that doesn't seem like enough of an ad. I would think they would need to iterate on the content a little bit more than just like, yeah, it's timed and it, it is failable. But, you know, I, 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 that doesn't seem like a big enough ad to me. So, we'll see. We'll see what they do. I would imagine we're going to see some mechanical changes uh you know mechanical changes would be would be best you know uh hang on i have to answer this task uh i do was curious about how to handle that i have like receipts from my trip that i need to turn in and i don't know how i'm supposed to do that i think my agency's going to handle it for me which is freaking amazing um I think I'm going to probably do the same thing with EA Play. <clears throat> uh, FW Blue, what's your biggest pet peeve on the Menagerie if you could change one thing? So I basically just had a question like this, like, could I change one thing? What's good, Geritol? You know, could I change one thing? That's the only thing I would potentially want to change is I'm going to end up with stockpiles of runes I don't want. A conversion rate on, on, on runes would be nice, but make it reasonable. Don't make it to where, like, it's a one-to-one. That's that's too That's too easy. You're basically, like, you're eliminating the entire point of runes, right? If it's always a one-to-one, every rune is the same then. Does that make sense? If I'm looking for rune of desire right now, and every time I get a rune, I can turn that into a rune of desire, then there's no point in having different runes. But there, a conversion, I think, five, five to one, I think, is fair. 
if I have five rune of the beast, I can turn that into like a coin. And then that coin lets me buy runes from Werner. You know, five to one, I think is, is probably pretty fair. So I don't know where the frick it's putting me. Mad Titan. Biggest complaint about the menagerie. You guys, like three people in a row, man. Read the chat when you're submitting your questions. You guys are literally copying your question, each other's questions. Like, it's kind of weird. Da- uh, Death Starfish. I've been playing Titan a little. Uh, I'm sorry. I've been t- playing Titan a lot, but I feel I'm not as powerful as the other two classes. What's your favorite Titan build right now? Uh, Titan just sucks in the end game. You know, he's just not very good in the end game right now. Um, Melting Point has a place sometimes, but a lot of the bosses, it's a suicide mission because they're so strong with their stomps. Melting Point's almost an immediate death a lot of the times, which it helps, but you know you can pop hammers right away to get that little resistance, and usually that like keeps you alive. Doomfang, Doomfang Shield's not so bad, and I know people are like, Peregrine Greaves can be fun. Uh, the Titan's just really, really weak in, in the endgame right now. And there's no easy fix, right? Uh, There's no easy fix. And what I said the other day when this question came up is the thing they probably should do is look at each individual, each individual subclass and they need retooled and changed to be better. The big hammer, the shield, you know, Titan slam there there's just nothing there just doesn't seem to be anything there for him you know so that that would be that would be my feedback is they need to like right now i don't know what they need to do i can't tell you oh do this with shield and do this with hammer and it'll fix it they need to ask the question how can we get at least one of the attunements on every subclass at the at the level right at the level of what we get from the other attunements. So it's like, you can run a good Shards of Galanor or a good Ophidius Faith build on Way of a Thousand Cuts. You can run a Celestial Nighthawk build, okay? So the Hunter has a couple pretty good PvE solar builds. And then he's got Orpheus Rigs. That's good. Then he's got Raid and Flux for Arc Strider. He's got a couple of PvE builds that seem strong and sensible, okay? Hunt, uh, Warlock. Skull's still not that bad, and then you got Phoenix Well, and then you got a Geomag's a Geomag's um, Chaos Reach build. Those are all pretty nice, strong PVE builds that, even though they're not, they can't all equally be optimal. They at least do something and bring something to the table. Okay, so when I look at the Titan, I, that's my question. How can you make one good PVE void build? Can you make one good solar PVE build? Same, you know, same with, same with, yeah, Lunafaction well as well. Um, even if Skull is trash now, yes, a, 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 a Nova, a Nova build with Devour, a slow Nova build. I mean, it's still, uh, you can still have strong PVE Nova builds with the, with the, with the Warlock, you know, and. I would say that's the question they need to ask. What can we do? You don't need to make them broken. We don't need to go back to the days when, you know, the, the Titan was the only one worth running. You don't need to go in the other direction. So, because somebody's like Sunfire Furnace and Sunspots are super good for ad clear. You've got to remember something, okay? Every single time you put away your Warlock and your Hunter and you get out your Titan, those vacancies need filled. 
and being like, oh, such and such is kind of good for ads. You're not really filling the vacancy, right? You're not filling the vacancy. You're just, you're just saying, oh, the, uh, what is practice makes perfect? What am I getting on? What is that? Is that on? What is that on? Is that on one? Is that, is that something with my subclass? I never play as a solar hunter. I mean, I do, but I don't play, I play on way of a thousand cuts. Um, crit hits in the subclass. Oh, enter a trance with each precision hit, reducing the cooldown of your super knife juggler kills grant energy. Okay, cool. I never play on this skill tree. So I was like, what the frick? Um, I'm just trying to actually get kills now uh, so that I can help with my super at the fo- at the boss fight. And I'm getting treasure anyway. So, uh, I don't, again, this is one of the few times like I haven't really gone in depth. Maybe I could do a talk and really give some thought to how they could fix Titan in PvE Endgame. But at this point, I don't really have a good answer other than they need to address it. Because as I was just saying... When I switch to Titan and I feel that vacancy of I'm not a warlock or a hunter, having something that helps with ad clear isn't enough. It just isn't enough. I'm not filling the full vacancy of the other classes that I'm not playing on. It feels like you're 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 choosing from the B squad. Hunter and warlock are the A squad. You're like, well, here's the Titan. He's on the B squad. He's kind of good at you know ad clearing and melting points. Okay, like it just feels B squad right now. Old Soul, could Menagerie be the future of raiding in Destiny? Or do you think there will always be standalone traditional raids? Well, knowing that they're embracing MMORPG, I don't think you're. Th- this is going to come to fruition. What's your suggestion? What you're suggesting? What you're suggesting, I think, is very, very unlikely. And the reason for that is, if you're going more MMORPG you're not going to suddenly not have raids or make the raids more like Menagerie. I just think that's super, super unlikely. That would be almost like a step away from the MMO identity. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to be consistently getting more Menagerie-style content that feels like a slight step down from raids, which is kind of what the Menagerie feels like. Six-man, you know, it's a six-man activity, the the you know the content's pretty challenging but it's not failable like it's 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 in a i think it's in a pretty good lane personally i think they've got it in a in a pretty good lane and i don't know if they're going to use that they i don't see them supplanting raids with menagerie but i see them su- like supplanting stuff like ep the forges and blind well are going to hopefully either get retooled to be like menagerie or anything they build like this in the future will be like Menagerie so well isn't very exciting for warlocks well no the well isn't exciting but it's not every every super is not meant to be exciting Orpheus Riggs tether isn't super exciting but it's fantastic for survivability orb generation subduing the ads you know ad control and well is like we're gonna buff everybody's damage and stay alive you know you don't every super doesn't need to be exciting or adrenaline pumping sometimes it's just a very very utilitarian you know piece and that utilitarian nature of it makes it because it's so strong no one even considers doing anything else they don't even consider doing anything else they're just like it's super super strong why would you not run well why would you not run tether 
you know that's one of the main reasons that I think it people bring it up I don't think they need to do anything to well I think you just need to bring bring the other bring the other supers up to par you don't need to say oh well needs toned down well is the bar raise stuff to the bar and here's the other thing you got to consider if they're going to embrace this MMORPG you know identity you can make well the bar raise other things to that level and then make really tough content where you feel the need to synergize your supers your attunements your exotics etc those are things that will start to happen if they really lean into the RPG MMO identity you know Stormcaller, do you think picking the loot is a better grind than grinding for random pieces? I could see this format coming more in the future. I think this is like this is like Ada's bounties and the skeleton key grind had a baby and that's why I think I love it so much. Okay, so skeleton key grind is kind of like grinding for the runes. I'm getting runes at the end of every strike and I'm looking for rune of desire. Okay, once I have rune of desire... I go into Menagerie, and I get that guaranteed hand cannon, okay? That's sort of like, oh, I've got all these skeleton keys. Now let me go run this strike and try and get an Imago loop. And the RNG is properly layered right now. It wasn't properly layered in D1. You might not even get a skeleton key. You might not even get a Imago loop. You might not even get the role that you want. Too many layers of RNG. Now there's two layers of RNG, just two. The first layer is you might not get Rune of Desire, but you're getting runes in general. Okay? So you might not get Rune of Desire. But if you do, then you go and you're guaranteed the weapon if you have Rune of Desire, but you're not guaranteed the role that you want. So there's only two layers of RNG. Whether or not you get the rune and whether or not you get the role that you want. In Destiny 1, there was like four layers of RNG. First layer, you might not get a skeleton key. Second layer, you might not even get the gun. Uh, Third layer, you might get the grass skirt instead. Fourth layer, you might not get the role that you want, right? It's like four layers of RNG that were were just too, too extreme. It was way too extreme. So I think this is, this is a very, very good marriage between the idea of player intentionality and player volition and grind and RNG. This is a very, very good marriage, which is why I kept referencing the Ada bounties. So. Death Starfish. What the frick is the plan with Gambit? I have little to zero fun whenever I step in there. Are they going to dive deeper into the game mode? This is, I'm going to give you my theory on Gambit, okay? This is going to be my, like, off-the-cuff theory on Gambit. I think Gambit is in a holding pattern right now. I think it's in a holding pattern. Here's what I mean. Between now and September, they're not going to do anything with Gambit. And right now, I, I have a feeling they're not even building anything for Gambit. Because if between now and September, Gambit engagement gets to very, very super, super low levels, like the, if Gambit gets on life support, I could see Bungie saying, Gambit served its purpose in its time, and we don't really see the need to invest it any longer. Now, th- there's no way for me to know whether or not that's true. For all intents and purposes, they could be, they could be saying, 
no, we're building stuff for Gambit right now. So when, you know, Shadowkeep gets here, there's new stuff in Gambit. You know, they're going to make all the, they'll make all the bosses different. There'll be nightmare versions of all the Gambit bosses or something. I don't know. Okay. But if, if Gambit just continues to go down in, in engagement, I can see them saying, Gambit was an experiment and we just we don't see the need to really go down that rabbit hole any deeper you know because to a certain extent Gambit's captured a player a, a portion of the player base but we don't know like once people aren't grinding for power my question is how many people are going into Gambit once they don't need the milestones are, you know how many people are going in weekly and daily just for the fun of it and Bungie knows that there's no question in their mind when they get two months out of a, of a, of a brand new season and less people are grinding for power uh, then they'll say look how few people are playing um, Gambit is still the fourth most engaged activity on Charlemagne right in the early months I'm always curious if that's if that's high because of people grinding for power and Charlemagne's numbers are suspect because Charlemagne only pulls from people using Discord and I think Discord is full of people that are far more likely to be organized have a team and that lends itself to a game mode like Gambit it's discounting all the people who don't use Discord right and just boot up and play by themselves how many of those people would tilt the scales away from Gambit being so engaged with I don't trust Charlemagne's engagement numbers because when I look at Destiny Tracker and apparently we're supposed to go to Destiny Tracker and then go to Guardian.gg and when you do that, you'll get a clearer picture of what like Gambit's engagement numbers are like because the Guardian's GG number is just Crucible and Destiny Tracker is apparently Crucible and Gambit. The number's never been high enough to substantiate saying it's the fourth most engaged with piece of content it's always hovering around 200,000 and then PVE will be anywhere from 600 to right now it's like 800 to 900,000 players so you know close to a million PVE and then PVP was always anywhere from 300 to 500,000 so and again it's like well it's the fourth most engaged with activity that's also potentially you might be saying it's the least with engaged right there's only so much you can do in destiny there's pve big giant pool and then there's crucible and then there's and then there's gambit so when you say it's the fourth most engaged you could be saying it's the least engaged with activity and that's when bungie could look at it and say dude this isn't this isn't getting enough and again the further you get away from power grind that number could go down even more because less and less people are going to be saying you know dude i need to go into gambit for the weeklies i need to go into gambit for the milestones i need to go into gambit for the bounties half those pve people are just patrolling right and that's what i mean like if bungie looks at their internal numbers and says okay Gambit's at the bottom rung and it hasn't climbed as high as we'd like it. Like, what are their projections for it? What are they wanting? Yes, another desire. What are they wanting Gambit's engagement numbers to look like? Because if they wanted Gambit's engagement numbers to get higher, closer to like maybe 300,000 daily engaged or something, 
and they're not happy with where it is, they may ask two questions. What can we do to promote more engagement? Is there things we can change about it? More accessible invasions, less punishing, blah, blah, blah. And I think I'm right in saying this because look at what they tried to do with normal Gambit. They tried to make it, they tried to make it faster. Why would you make it faster if engagement numbers were healthy? They made it faster because engagement numbers probably weren't that healthy. Because people were probably like, it takes too freaking long. If they win and then we win, we got to go to a third round. And now it's like, no, if they win, then you win, then you go to sudden death. So the fact with the fact that they made it faster tells me they're looking at engagement numbers and want them to go up. And if engagement numbers never really get to where they want them, I could see them saying, we don't really need to do much with it. Just leave it. It can be a nice, like, look at what they did with Crucible as an example. Crucible sits for how long now? Nine months. Nothing. Like, nothing. No updates. No new maps. Nothing. And a pinnacle gets added. They could do the exact same thing with Gambit. They could say, yeah, we're not really going to change it. We're not really going to change Drifter or his bounties. And, you know, you can grind it for powerfuls and we'll throw a pinnacle in there every season. And that's all we're going to do with it. They could do that for nine months. And the reason they might do that is they might just say, it just isn't worth the blood and treasure and, and development bandwidth right now. It's not getting engagement numbers that are worthy of what we're doing. Now, somebody might be like, well, what about raids? Raids get super, super low engagement. Raids are a massive marketing mechanic. It helps, it helps promote and push the content, and there's a team that works on raids and nothing else. Whoever's working on Gambit could conceivably have been pivoted to Crucible, right? They're going to update us on Crucible. Well, if they're going to update us on Crucible and make changes to Crucible, a lot of that could be being shouldered by those that were previously working on Gambit. So. And again, if the daily engaged player base, if, if it's 20% of the daily engaged player base, Bungie might say, that's good enough to keep investing in it. Or they might say, that's good enough to just keep it afloat while we shift our, our, our attention to, uh, you know, to crucible. So that, that would be my thought on it. There's no way to really know what they're going to do or what their vision is for it, but it definitely could be a machine that runs on its own the way that crucible did. Even as little as they did for crucible, crucible's daily engaged player base numbers were always, still pretty good and higher than gambit even when they were doing nothing for it gambit could become the next sort of ignored stepchild for a while where they do nothing for it and eventually they retool it completely the way they are with crucible maybe they do nothing with it for a really really long time and just let it fall by the wayside i don't know young coochie uh, says may sound dumb but why patch this but not patch the ribbon cheese wall I mean what the ribbon cheese wall the wall is there for you to jump ahead I'm not aware of what you're referring to maybe if you're referring to being able to use the wall to skip ahead that's not a cheese that's literally a mechanic they put into the game <clears throat> but getting to getting to open a chest seven times at the end of menagerie is not intended and it's undercutting the content longevity. That's why they would patch it. Anakin Starkiller, do you think it's wise or fair to patch the menagerie chest when heavy players already have unlocked and farmed for what they want or life lessons learned for the next season? No, you still want to patch it. <coughs> Excuse me, I don't know what's going on. I'm getting like a frog in my throat. I mean, I don't think that... um 
I don't think you can say, well, people already did it, leave it alone. You know, people already did the enhancement core glitch, so leave it alone back when people did it. So, I would say it needs patched. It's hurting longevity. There are way more casuals than hardcore players that haven't even gotten to that point yet. And the last thing you want is for everybody to engage in, in the menagerie in an inordinate fashion, right? Let's imagine that longevity for for menagerie, let's give it a number. They envision menagerie's longevity being a 7 <clears throat> on the longevity scale. And at the current rate that people are playing it, its longevity is registering at like a 3 or a 4. People are cutting its longevity in life, you know, in half. Because they're getting their god rolls just so much faster than they normally would, okay? Well... That that scales down. If I'm done with the menagerie twice as fast as I'm supposed to, because I can literally just go in and just boom, 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 hit the chest. That scales down to the casuals as well. So the casuals are going to get less time out of menagerie just as much as I'm going to get less time out of it. So you always have to consider how it scales down. That's why the menagerie is so perfect. Like, if you want to play it hardcore and rush it and beat it faster, it's perfect for hardcore players. It's not failable for casual players. Therefore, they aren't putting you in a hamster wheel as a casual. Does that make sense? So you can you can always consider if something takes too long, that scales down to the casual player and is like overly punishing. If something's too easy and too quickly beaten, that scales down to the casual player as well. It always scales down. You have to consider that. And that's why I think it needs patched because you're you're just shortchanging content that's supposed to have good life and longevity. And you're just cutting it way down to get to get less out of it. So I think the amount of times you have to run the menagerie to get the best thing, everything is much higher than you believe. I've not actually said how long it would take, so you're speaking to a statement that I haven't made yet. I'm merely saying it is the most intentional grind that Destiny has ever had, so there's no reason to complain about them patching it. Even if you get one gun for every run and it's guaranteed because you know what you're getting, that is way more intentional. That is the quickest, most intentional gear turnover rate in all of Destiny. It's faster than the turnover rate for the forges in Black Armory. It's faster. It's one activity. And you don't have to go back to Ada. You don't have to charge the bounty. You don't have to go and do like lost sectors and stuff. So if you if you get a bunch of the runes that you need, right? Having to run it once for a drop is a completely fair and legitimate turnover rate of gear. Because it is literally the most intentional, the most intentional and most fastest grind for gear in all of Destiny. So complaining about it getting patched, I just think would be, I think it's ludicrous, is a ludicrous position. It's untenable. You can't compare it to anything in Destiny and say that it's not fair. You can't say this is like an established, you know, turnover rate of gear. Because it's not. It's not an established turnover rate of gear. It is a, it is a broken turnover rate of gear. And And if it wouldn't existed, nobody would think anything of it. If this cheese didn't exist, nobody would think anything of it. They'd be like, no, yeah, this is awesome, dude. I run with my team. We beat it in 10 minutes. I get a guaranteed drop of the gun that I want. And if if you go into a nightfall, not guaranteed to even drop. 
right? You go into a raid or a strike or anything. Nothing is guaranteed. The only thing you could compare it to is forges and forges is a little bit more intentional because you didn't have to like farm for the runes. You could just go grab the bounty from Ada and then you go and you fill, you, you charge the bounty and then you go and do the forge and then that's it. But that's roughly 15 to 20 minutes to do that with travel time and load time forge time, you know, getting the seeds, etc. So apparently Dylan has confirmed in somebody saying in Leopard's chat that it will be patched. So the time limit they're giving you in there is just for lore. It's not it's not for uh <clears throat> it's not for you to do the chat the cheese chest. The chest cheese, sorry. Austin Lee do you like that what they are doing with Destiny 2 where they said Destiny 3 is way off? We want to expand on the story of D2. Yeah, I think it's totally fine. Yesterday's video that went live on YouTube was the future of Destiny 2 or the future of Destiny. And ultimately what I've landed on is that they are using this time the way that Division used Division 1 to build 1.8, right? They built 1.8 by investing in Division 1. And we're in that same place now, I feel. They're basically saying, what can we do to make Destiny 3 like a surefire hit? Number one, ground level, Destiny 3 needs to be in a new engine and needs dedicated servers, okay? That's not happening in a year's time. So if that's not happening in a year's time, this is what I hope that they do. I hope they take the time that they're investing in Destiny 2, you could have a small team building the game in a new engine. Get all those architectures, all that framework, all those elements, everything. A one-to-one. A small team starts building Destiny in Unreal. So then when it's time to world build, design bosses, strikes, weapons, you have all those dev tools, like, specced out. And while they're doing that, the rest of Bungie is investing in Destiny 2, learning from their mistakes, creating content like the Menagerie, giving us good raids, giving us good investment paths. They want it to be more like an MMO with more stats in the game, more depth is, is something that Luke said. So that that way they're 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 banging on all cylinders. They're setting up the framework for, and I'm and I'm speculating here, right? They could be simultaneously setting up the framework for the game to be in a new engine, while also setting up the framework and the foundation for good, really awesome MMO deep RPG grinding loot paths. And then when they start building Destiny Three, the weapons team, the strike team, the quest team, the the subclass team, the character team, the enemies. All those teams, they know exactly what the frick they're doing. Why? Because of what they do in Destiny 2 leading up to that moment. There's no question like, well, how are we going to elongate weapon investment and gear investment and armor? And what about set bonuses? All those questions will be answered with the, you know, the, the, the path that they're on right now. They're putting us on a path of, of learning and investment the way they did in division with 1.8 and the way that they they you know they learned in you know they did the same thing in no man's sky right they really listened to the community they added all those things that people wanted and the game like bounced back and is like incredible now it's a shame that it took that long because it 
will never recover on Twitch, but you know, for all intents and purposes, No Man's Sky should be an amazing Twitch game, but people have made up their mind about it, even though it's an amazing game now. Dr. Dirtle says, uh, what are your thoughts on having all the gear we currently have becoming obsolete with Armor 2.0 coming in Shadowkeep? I would be totally okay with our armor becoming obsolete. I don't think people spend as much time grinding for, like, god roll armor. Uh, but the guns, you gotta be careful. If people just got a bunch of god roll guns from opulence, you don't want to take those away just a couple months later. But I said yesterday, I could see them saying everything from year one is going to be completely overshadowed or no longer infusible or something like that. I could see them doing that. I could see them doing that. Every 12 to 18 months saying that stuff's not infusible anymore. And I think that's totally fine. Because if right now you could no longer infuse your year one gear, your Midnight Coup and your Ikalos shotgun would work in daily missions, it would work in strikes, it would work on patrols, adventures, lost sectors. I would say... 60 to 70 percent of the pve content you'd be totally fine in but once you start going into forges the reckoning menagerie you would need to use the new stuff so if they do that in september and say for shadow keep anything from year one so d2 vanilla curse of osiris and Warmind is all no longer infusible that'd be totally fine the other thing they could do is they could just say all the new armor and guns are going to have so many extra perks and investment paths on them you're not going to want to use any of the old stuff anymore you're just not going to want to it'll be a natural incentive driver you know young Coochie says do you think xbox project scarlet will be priced at pc price points or do you think they will stay in the price point war with ps4 I have no idea. I think price points are difficult because typically they have to sell brand new consoles at a loss because consumers just are not going to, they're not going to order or pay for a console that is $600. $600 and above is just way too high. So I think launch price will be $500 and then a year later they'll be selling them for $400 um, would be my guess. And that's where I think Destiny 3 could launch 2021 and be like bundled with the new consoles. It's They've been out for a year, saturation settled down, a lot of people own it, and then you could buy the new consoles bundled with Destiny 3, you know, and then that you, you could not only be a part of the new console saturation like boost because usually a year later they're all they're all discounted and on sale around the holidays and then Destiny could be bundled in with a bunch of those. I don't know if that's enough time to build Destiny three, right? Because they're gonna probably conceivably take what Destiny two all the way to next year September twenty twenty and do another injection, I would think. So twenty twenty one is the earliest date I see Destiny 3 showing up. 2022 being probably a more ideal launch date if it's truly a big, massive, awesome game. And I'm sorry we're dropping frames. Uh, I'll sit still. If you're watching the video version on YouTube, um, I am sorry we just dropped some frames. The, The audio should be fine, though, if you're listening to the audio version. Let me just double check and make sure Windows Update is uh, not running. It's not running. It's on manual. I'm going to switch it to disabled just in case. 
Uh, it also could be some of the routing issues we've been having. This is one of the reasons I don't like streaming on Spectrum. It's a little less consistent, but I wasn't streaming. On, I streamed on AT&T for four years with no problems, but with all the outages we were having the other day, there were some routing issues. So I'll probably switch back to AT&T. That just seemed like a little blip. Uh, Standard Candle, what are your thoughts on the leaked Lumina perks? Don't know if you've heard them or not. If somebody could please put them in chat, I could commentate on them. I have not seen the leaked Lumina perks. Uh, I don't don't know what the gun does. Um, I'm kind of disappointed it's another exotic hand cannon. I want an exotic shot energy shotgun, man. Like, or an exotic energy fusion rifle. Because Telesto's great, but man, we could use some more, I think. You know, we could use some more. Um, so we could see if somebody, if somebody puts that in chat with me for me right now, I could, uh, I could commentate on that for the, for the recording. So we have it because I've actually not seen that bring back invective. Oh yeah. It heals teammates. It's an opposite thorn. So I can shoot you and heal you. That's going to be interesting. Similar to thorn, except soul devourer turns your next shot into a healing shot when hitting your allies. And it gives both of you a damage buff. Interesting. Kills drop orbs that you can use to heal teammates. Huh. It's the Rose, pretty pumped. But it's not the Rose, it's the Lumina. It's not called the Rose. Is it going to be called the Rose in its lore? Because the gun is literally called Lumina. I didn't think it was the Rose. I thought it was a completely different gun. I thought that was like a settled debate by now that it was not the rose unless the lore itself calls it that as a nickname the rose becomes it so you get the rose and it becomes the lumina it starts as the rose and it evolves to lumina that makes sense because some of us speculated that it was going to be that because isn't the thorn a corrupted rose and the lumina is basically like not that because it's a light lumina like luminescent it's like a it's like a, a a purified one or something so it ends up being the Lumina. So it's not the Rose when you're done, but it starts out as it. Okay. So everybody was half right because I was like, it ain't the Rose. It's called the Lumina. And people were like, no, it's definitely the Rose. We were. We all get to be right. We get to be good millennials and everyone gets to a trophy. <laughs> uh, OP Mark. Do you think they would... Did I skip a question? Oh, uh, Dr. Bad Llama. What do you think of the time investment to level up the chalice? I can understand wanting to stretch content, but there's not many ways to get Imperials. No, there's plenty of ways to get Imperials. I think it's fine. I I skipped two weeks and I've already got mine significantly leveled up. No, I think it's totally fine. The 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 the, the grind to uh, level up the chalice, I have zero problem with. Totally fine. Op Mark. Uh, do you think they will add, or would you like to see scalable armor where you unlock over time like the Solstice armor, but all activities, uh, especially Menagerie in the raid? I love when they did what it was Solstice armor. Per- this is what I personally think they should do for all activities. All activities. So, let's say there's an armor set for the EDZ. And that armor set should drop green, initially. You're getting armor that's green. And the more you use that armor... And then maybe even specific things on the EDZ once done helps you level up the armor to blue. And then you can level it up to purple. Once it's purple, it has set bonuses, it has slots, it has powers, it has all these things it does specific to the EDZ. 
Now, this has to go hand-in-hand with my idea about loadouts in the collection system. You need to be able to store the armor in the collection system and then click a loadout button so when you're on the EDZ or in an EDZ strike, it just changes all your armor. You're like, oh, I've gotten all this armor. I have all the awesome set bonuses for the EDZ. I think you should do it for every single armor set. Raids especially. Raids especially. You should, when you first get a piece of raid armor, it should be green. And then it becomes blue, and then it becomes purple. And there could be an internal system like they did with Wrath. So as you're doing that and you're investing in that armor set, you're doing that by running the raids, but you're also getting a currency in the raid that allows you to re-roll. Because re-rolling armor is not the same as re-rolling guns. So I kind of spliced those two. I felt like re-rolling armor was more reasonable, and re-rolling guns is just not... Uh, so, great job at E3. Oh, thank you. ADJC. I don't know if this has been asked in the past, but should we be able to redo raids for weapons or armor for better roles? Yes. So this is a well-timed question. Like, if I'm working on getting my green armor leveled up in the raid, rerunning it, I think you should also be able to get non-powerful drops to try to get the role that you want. Now, you could have the loot pool rotate week to week, so you can't get every single god roll in one week if you grind enough. I don't think that would happen personally. But you know, people are like, well, you got you don't want people to be able to do everything the week one, get everything week one. I, I get that. So you know, you get your three powerfuls, and then if you continue to run the raid, you get non-powerful drops to get the roll that you want, while also working on like upgrading your armor and getting the currency to re-roll the armor if you want. That would be a perfect raiding system. So you right now it's like you run your three and you don't care. And an even bigger problem is you get the new exotic and then you don't care because the raid gear in and of itself is just not interesting enough. It doesn't do anything special. It may look cool, but there's just nothing special about it, man. Not at all. There's no reason to grind for a God roll. And the menagerie really hurts the raid in my opinion because you have so much more intentionality over what you get from the menagerie the gun the masterwork you know so they need to look at wrath of the machines economy they need to look at you know armor that levels up over time and an internal economy that lets you re-roll armor and then potentially letting you run for non-powerful drops that that just needs to be a consideration for raids going forward and if they were to do that that would pair really well with what I'm saying because if let's say a non-curated drops you get the new shotgun and the new raid in September shadow keeps got a raid and you get the shotgun it's a fine weapon but what you're really on the hunt for what you're really looking for is the curated role and the curated role is unique and awesome and really powerful and really strong it's got cool stuff on it that you can't get anywhere else think Genesis chain chaos dogma ex mechanica in wrath of the machine those were guns that had synergistic unique perks you couldn't get anywhere else you know think think that when you think about these perks i'm not saying they should be god tier pinnacle weapons that make everything else in the game look stupid but they should be unique and strong what i'm saying pairs really well with that a reason to keep running, leveling up your armor, re-rolling your armor with the currency, and then a really low drop rate on curated rolls that are just awesome. That would keep people in the raid. There's like multiple levels of incentivization there. Right now, there's like no incentivization to run the raid. 
initially it's great for power and then you want the exotic and then after that there's just nothing in there there's no incentive and it's an it's aspirational pinnacle content that just kind of falls flat very very quickly so i i think that is a that's that's a big big i think deal where they they have to figure and sort that out i think uh, best pro controller PS4 for Destiny. I mean, scuffs are really nice, and um, but I'm not partnered with them anymore. But I've heard you know people like the scuffs on PS4. The Astro C40 is great. It's very comfortable, customizable. Under you know buttons on the underside and hair triggers. I am partnered with Astro, uh, and I will be 100% honest with you. I love the controller. Super comfortable. I've had issues with it, which is unfortunate. And more than likely, it's going to need firmware updates and stuff. I It sprint cancels and stuff. When it's not sprint canceling, it's one of the most comfortable, one of the most nice, most cool, great controllers I've ever used. So if they can sort out the firmware and the software so it stops sprint canceling, it'll be a great, great controller. I don't know if they've even spoken publicly about these issues, but I, I have to, in good conscience, give you the whole story that the... The, the, the thing is fantastic but I'm not using it now because I got so tired of having to reset it and do other stuff so I'm hoping they can do a really good firmware update anytime soon I'll go back to using it that's how much I liked it uh, Wrath says how much of a possibility do you think there is of new bosses added in heroic we'll have to see three bosses seems low maybe heroic adds a fourth you know I could see them doing a fourth that's a whole month of rotation you know J J Dunk. I wouldn't expect the blind well and escalation to get the same exact model of treatment as Menagerie, but do you think updating those encounters could add the game? Yeah, I I've anticipated them doing that actually. In the next in the next seasons, I anticipated them saying, you know what? We uh we're gonna resurface those, repurpose those, give them a good bounty system and give them a loot injection. Or maybe even just take the armor up to year two and give the weapons a facelift. So I could 100% see them doing that. Super J-Man, do you think Enhancement Core situation is a bit better than it was in previous seasons? I find myself running out of Glimmer more than Cores. I actually made the argument that since I'm running out of Glimmer instead of Cores, that's actually a perfect reason to just get rid of Cores. The economic pain points working. I was running out of planetary materials and I was running out of Glimmer. Why? Because I was infusing as if Cores didn't exist. I had, I had the, I had the, uh, cores stacked up to like 300. So every single time I wanted to infuse, I just infused. So I infused as if cores didn't exist. And do you want to know what? There was economic pain. There was economic pain for that carelessness. And I think that that's exactly how it should function. Cause yeah, you can get cores now from from the gunsmith and you know and spider, and you can get a pretty healthy dose of cores, but it just doesn't make sense. They there it's a, it's still a deadlocked currency for me. It's still a deadlocked currency. I just I don't masterwork. I don't want to masterwork items. I don't feel the need to masterwork items. I just I save them to alleviate that currency pain point. Why spiders bounties are play flow disrupting, and I don't want to do them. And the the 
the gunsmith bounties are better because they're not play flow disrupting but I, I it's just it's just another thing I have to think about whoops it's another thing I have to think about that I don't want to think about leveling is at its best when I don't have to think about it and right now having to go to spider and get glimmer and get planetary mats it was just like why I just want to level man see like just just let us level it isn't needed it is a non-value adding unnecessary pain point and I don't care about their philosophy because I don't think their philosophy speaks to the experience or the value that the player experiences it just feels like a forced a forced arbitrary hurdle so skies nine seen a lot of people asking for a well nerf wouldn't it be better solution to buff the titan sentinel yes I am not I, I, I am not asking for a well nerf when I talk about how influential and how ridiculously good well is that's not me asking for a well nerf that's me saying you've got to bring the titan it, it, attunements and supers up to the others Orpheus rig tether even shards of Galanor, you know with with blade barrage or Orphidia spade is a great build right now in PV it's strong this Titan just doesn't have anything he just doesn't have anything worthy of note for endgame tough content. Just doesn't, you know? Just doesn't work. The homie, probably over 9,039 months getting me, bud. Dude, I miss you, Matt. Hope you're well, dude. I saw some pictures recently. You and your lady and your kiddo looking so good, man. Looking so happy. If you guys don't follow him, you should. He's a super nice guy. And we don't stream at the same time, so you can watch both of us without feeling like you're betraying me. <laughs> just kidding so the the well doesn't need nerfed titans need to be brought up essentially 100% agree with you um Vlef do you think that the iron banner quests and other quests that require you to play in a way that is detrimental whether it be focused on things like nade kills and iron banner or bow kills and gambit should be changed just make it less annoying okay here's the thing here's the thing there's two ways to structure a bounty and when they double down I think people reject it okay so the number one way they can do a bounty is they can send you into an activity or a location that's the first thing they can do okay the second thing they can do is they can ask you to do something specific generate orbs get hand cannon kills get kills with your abilities okay when they double down and they combine those two I believe it is too much and that's when people stiff arm it so I got to go into gambit okay no problem but I also need to go into gambit and get grenade kills or bow kills or whatever it's like pick one not both you're being too it's too stringent because maybe I don't want to go into gambit but if I can go into gambit and use the weapons that I like it's more tolerable Right? Maybe I don't like using bows, but if I can go where I want and play the content that I enjoy, I'm more likely to be like, eh, this isn't so bad. But if I don't like bows and I don't like Gambit, you're just doubling down. People are like, well, it's the Gambit Pinnacle and it's a bow. Well, just listen to what I'm saying, you know? It's too stringent. That's why people stiff arm it. Send me into Gambit, no problem. I will go into Gambit and have me do things that are part and parcel to Gambit. Kill blockers. Uh, damage to the boss, bank moats, kill ads, kill HVTs, things like that. Things that are just natural to the flow of Gambit, and I'll be totally fine with that, right? 
it, when you have to do both, that's when I think people are just like, and they don't want to do it. And then that's when people are like, well, I thought you wanted to grind. And it's like, okay, you can make a grind that's enjoyable. Grind doesn't necessitate being unfun. That's not the same. Grind is what I'm doing right now, going for runes over and over and over again. And I get to work on other bounties maybe while I'm in here. I get to use the loadout that I want, and I'm getting runes over and over again. Then I go into the menagerie over and over and over again, trying to get the gun, trying to get the gun. But you're not, I'm not like, well, if I want a hand cannon from the menagerie, I got to go into the menagerie. Uh, I got to stand in this corner for five seconds. I got to use a sidearm, and uh, I got to use a sniper rifle on HVTs, and I got to use a sidearm arm on the edge and it's just like just stop think about what you're doing it's a game where you're chasing loot and the reason you're chasing loot is you like to use the things that you like if the road to that that destination is paved by constantly telling me what I can and can't use or what I need to or or not use I I I think that that's convoluted Oh, you want to have your special loadout? You want to have this awesome loot? Okay, well, in the process of working on this, you got to use a bunch of loot, loadouts, and play activities that you have no interest in. It's too much. Like I said, if I can go into Gambit, but use the loadout that I like, you're you, it's just the right amount of like, I don't really want to go in here, but I'll go in here, right? Or, I don't really like using bows, but it's not so bad if I use it in the menagerie, strikes, public events, whatever the frig. PvP. Some people like using bows in PvP. Do you see what I'm saying? So, that's that's how I, that's my, that would be my philosophical input on bounty design. White Light. I missed the talk, so Skip, if you covered this, what would you like to see for incentive to play Heroic Menagerie? Loot? I mean, that's it, isn't it? Loot. If, if you don't put in good loot, who's going to go play a harder version of anything? You know? That's the problem with raid. That's the problem with the raid right now. The raid is the most pinnacle activity in opulence. And other than the SMG, there's no loot incentive, right? There's nothing. It's, it's a, it's a ho-hum loot incentive. You think I'm going to go into a harder version of the menagerie because... You think I'm going to... Am I, I going to go in there for an emblem? No. <laughs> I'm going to go in there for freaking loot. Come on, man. Give me the Rune of Desire. I've only gotten four. Four is pretty good, though. FW Blue. If you could add one gun or armor piece to the Menagerie Pool, what would it be and what would it do? Uh, I would add good guns to the raid instead. <laughs> I think the Menagerie's got a pretty awesome loot pool already. Uh, so I, I wouldn't add anything to Menagerie, you know, maybe make the armor and the guns have benefits in the Menagerie. That'd be cool. But other than that, evil, the waffler, I fear the success of the Menagerie is type of activity that would replace raids specifically since the grind is better compared to crown of sorrow. What's your thoughts? There's literally no way this happens. We kind of already answered this earlier. Somebody's like, do you think, could you see them replacing raids with Menagerie? I know because raids are so good for marketing world's first races. The viewership on Twitch is just stupid. And there's also just a lot of, a lot of players that really look forward to the pinnacle activities. So yeah, I'll be at guardian con this year. Uh, no lives. 
you're asking for conversion on room, but what's the point in that? Since we use the same runes in the first and second and third slot, if you don't want those weapons, then why wouldn't you just use them in the second and third slot instead of trading them? I understand wanting to buy certain runes, but with all the runes being used in three spots, isn't that pain point already fixed? Well, no, it's not already fixed. Because like I said, if I end up with an exorbitant amount of SMG runes, I got like 50 of them or something, well... I don't need those if I get to the point where I only want certain items okay then I'm gonna want to focus my runes on those items so I would basically like let's say the recipe for the hand cannon is the, the let's say the recipe for the hand cannon that I want is rune of desire and then a red and a purple okay if that's the case I'm gonna want you know 50 rune of desires and then 50 reds 50 purples doesn't matter what they are i'm just using that as an example i don't know what the actual recipe is okay so trading i would just work towards that if i got a bunch of blues and i don't need them and i got a bunch of purples i got more purples than i need you know what i'm saying you would basically go you'd use all the conversion to give yourself the maximum number of recipes for the gun you're going for and again, that's why conversion would be good. You're honoring the player's investment. You're going to get to a point where there's going to be runes you simply don't need anymore. So. JD Gamer, hey Lona, wondering with a lot of the old D1 weapons and exotics coming back to D2, do you think people have the right to complain even with people saying they, should have, they shouldn't have to pay for it because they got it in D1? I just am kind of tired of that empty criticism. It's not a real criticism. Okay, I'm not getting Occam's Razor, Lord Hide Fixer. Uh, I'm not getting Imago Loop. I, I'm not. I'm not getting those guns back. I'm not grinding Menagerie, and they're like, "Hey, we know you. You're Lono. Here's your Imago Loop from D1. We took away." That's not what they're doing. Oh, because they're using the same like design elements. Oh, shut the frick up. You know what I'm saying? Just shut the frick up. Like, look at this gun. Oh, it's an IS Luna. Is it? Not with that ornament on it. It's not. I couldn't throw shaders on the guns in D1. I couldn't make my gun look like this. Like it looks like now. It looks awesome. People are so quick to be like, well, I shouldn't have to pay for this because I had an IS Luna in D1. I- I'm, s- I'm so sorry to tell you. you I-, I don't like to be the one to tell you this. You sound stupid. I don't want you to sound stupid anymore. So, that's not a valid criticism. Now, somebody wants to be like, well, but they should have new new aesthetics. It's boring to see the same aesthetics. Okay. Okay. If that's a priority for you, that's fine. You can make that criticism. That, that's, that's valid. You could say, you know, it would really be more exciting if the guns looked lo- a lot different. But you don't get to say... I shouldn't have to pay for this content because they're using models from D1. Like, that's just not valid. It isn't valid. It's ludicrous. It's This is Destiny. The guns are going to look similar. They're going to reuse things from D1. You just They just are. You know? It's just... You're, you're paying for Menagerie. That's content. You're paying for a raid. You're paying for an entire loot system. You're paying for new destinations. And if along the way, they're like, yeah, these these guns are going to look similar to guns from D1. You don't get to look at that and be like, well, I shouldn't have to pay. You're charging me for stuff I had in D1. 
No, they're really not. It's they're not the same guns. They're not even the same perk pool system. There's mods, there's shaders, there's masterworking them. There's so many different layers to the to the items and the gear now in Destiny that it couldn't be a more invalid criticism. If it was any more invalid, it would just be utter nonsense. Like we wouldn't even understand what the person's saying. It would just be like, wait, I, you're you're literally just speaking like in intelligible nonsense. It doesn't. You're not even making any sense. That's how nonsensical it is. I just, I, I've lost, I think I just lost my patience over the years for the empty criticisms, the thoughtless empty criticisms of, you know, I'm, 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 I, I, they're reusing this recycled content, this recycled this, recycled that, and it's just like, I, the, the, you know, strikes shouldn't be story missions and stuff like that. We got in that big debate the other day, and it's just like, dude, I'm just, I'm so done. I'm just so done with that mentality. It, it isn't helpful. It doesn't help the game move forward. It doesn't provide us with better content. What provides us with better content is looking at the substance of the actual content. Ada bounties are the reason that we have the chalice, right? Why? We looked at the substance of the grind and we said, this is a good grind. This is good for the experience of the player. Looking at the aesthetics of the guns, I'll say that's a priority, but the reason I don't really focus on that is ultimately... I'm looking for stuff to do and stuff to chase, and the aesthetics are low on that. So. I followed you up until strikes shouldn't be story missions. Yes, because we should ask Bungie to spend development time on something you play once, because that's a really good use of their bandwidth. Like, another, again, untenable and illogical position. In a game with content loops, let's make demands of Bungie that are... Honestly, damaging to the player's experience. Like, that's essentially what you're asking them to do. If you're going to build me a story missions, don't reuse them as strikes. Why? Why not? It's literally a game where you repeat content, and you're asking them to give you less content. I want to play a story mission one time and never go back to it ever again, because that's a really, really good use of bandwidth. Right? Bungie can give you 10 missions. Let's imagine they can give you 10 missions. But you want five of them to be non-replayable because that'll be better for your story experience because reasons, right? Because you don't want more stuff to do. It's like saying, well, the, the first time I play the Menagerie, I, th- there should be a unique boss and unique encounters that I never replay again because that's better for my experience. Why? Like, What are you even talking about? It's a game where you run a loop and you want less loop because is all you can say. Because. Like, literally, story missions are strikes. That's what they are. There are, like, killing ads, satisfying a mechanic, killing a boss, and asking for less loopable content so you can kill ads, satisfy a mechanic, and kill a boss, but only one time? I... I, I will never ever give that footing and legitimize that because I honestly think it is just a it is an ignorant position it is just it is stupid I'm not trying to be mean like you're a stupid person it's a position that doesn't make any sense I want less content why oh it makes it better why you're still no matter what gonna play that mission the first time and have no idea what's going on it's all new the first time you repeating it doesn't retroactively hurt that initial experience Right, the first time I went into the the throne room of um, 
of Galran, and I was like, oh my gosh, he looks so awesome, look how big he is, and he scared me. The first time I went into the Spire of Stars room, and the boss slammed the ground and killed a bunch of us. That experience is not hurt retroactively, because I replay the raid. So your initial experience, your initial exposure to a story mission, isn't retroactively diminished because it's a strike and you replay it. Ensaldino, why menagerie mechanics are more fun than Crown of Sorrows? Um, this is subjective opinion, and you can shake your head all you want. Uh, I actually think the mechanics in Crown of Sorrow are dope and unique, and it's it's a unique way of putting pain on a team. What mechanics are more f- your mechanics are more fun than menagerie? There aren't really mechanics, dude. What mechanics? Stand on a plate, collect souls, and slam. What are you talking about? There's how is that? Now you're saying more fun. Why it's easier. <laughs> it's easier. No communication necessary. You don't got to pay attention to the kill feed. You don't got to pay attention to like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to die or oh, I can only shoot half of the ads. Like, eh, it's just that's just your opinion. More than likely, it's just more fun cuz it's easier. <laughs> it applies like way less pain to the team than what they do in Crown of Sorrows, I think is super unique. The way you have to shoot the crystals together, we've never done something like that. The way you can only hurt, you can't hurt all the enemies. You literally are paired up with a buddy and you have to, you basically have to rely on each other to kill half of the ads. Or like, that's not my ogre. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's way more unique than like slamming souls or standing on a plate. And I love menagerie, but I just feel a lot of the a lot of the mechanics. If you're gonna get specific to the mechanics, there's n- nothing super fresh or new. What's fresh or new about menagerie is that they have you doing mechanics we've done before, right? They have us doing mechanics we've never done before, and there's a unique way of applying pressure. Right, it gets harder and harder and harder and harder, and that's what I think is is cool about the menagerie. That's why I kind of give them a pass on being like the, the the mechanics are things we've done before, and to a certain extent, in a six man match made activity, they kind of have to make them way more accessible than you know raid mechanics because you're going in with six randos. So next question is. Back gorilla, civil back gorilla. Thoughts on the Iron Man quest steps to complete. Also, why is it character bound instead of account bound? We're not really sure. Uh, somebody was saying that there's parts of it that aren't like working right or glitched or something. It does seem exorbitant. Do we even know what the Iron Banner quest gets you? Is it an is it in like an Iron Banner exotic or something? I mean, we were we were speculating that maybe that's what was going on. That it was like an Iron Banner exotic, but we, it it. It's all the armor. I don't understand. Then it seems like it's just a. It seems like it's just a way to kind of keep you an Iron Banner. Then is what it sounds like to me. It's not a. It's not like a quest to an exotic or something. It also seems like it's not like a. Um, it's not like a, like a pinnacle quest. Ah. Uh, Dude, I miss a ton of subs. Frick. Rat Dad with two months. Ray Gun. Anakin Scarkiller. I think I got you. And then Gandalf with 27 months. Welcome back. Dragon Tat. Luke Smith specifically said action MMO instead of looter shooter. Are we to think that looter shooters are more of a casual genre? Well, it's still a looter shooter. 
that's like saying Luke Smith said MMO it's no longer a first person shooter like it's still a game where you're shooting and getting loot you're doing looties and shooties MMO action MMO doesn't mean it's not a looter shooter right Borderlands and Destiny are both looter shooters it's a shooter where you're chasing loot Division's a looter shooter but when you dig down into the genre, like Division's a, a min-maxing, a min-maxing sort of RPG, and Borderlands is more of a linear loop RPG where you replay the story, and that's the replay value. It's not a game as service. It's not a hobbyist game like Destiny. And then Destiny's action MMO, MMO kind of speaking to the the element of constantly playing as hobby. Like, that's what MMO stamp, you know, touches down on. Action's touching down on the fact that, like, we're never going to have, like, crazy in-depth skill trees, but they probably will get more in-depth and more MMO-oriented. But being that it's an action game, it's always going to be focused on any stats feeding the action and the power fantasy, not, like, feeding little, little elements of DPS output, right? I thought it was free. With the lack of daily activities on the reset intentional by Bungie, I have no idea. Uh, how do you think they can solve one phase problem with raid bosses? Higher health pools, DPS caps, some other way? You're imagining that a one phase is a problem. Why is it a problem? Once you're at Delta and you maximize your damage output, one phase is your reward. Right? Isn't one phase your reward for being really good at the game and, and synergizing with your team? I mean, look what happened yesterday. We literally, we were going to have to two-phase him. Why? Because we didn't have the right kits and the right synergy. And then I played with another team, and we one-phased like it was freaking nothing. I think it's a completely legitimate, uh, it's a completely legitimate reward for strategy. One phase in the day one and two? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a problem, personally. That's why contest modifier is so good. Snives. In the first menagerie, I jumped in at 690 and we finish it. That event seemed to scale via power level of the enemies. Do you think there's a better way to scale it? I think you're misunderstanding how the encounter works, my man. You go in at 690 and eventually you're facing really, really high-end enemies like 740. You're not beating 740 enemies and bosses when you're 690. So you beat the encounter not because you're like too good or it doesn't scale properly. You beat the encounter because it's not failable. But when I go in with a team in the 730s, we beat it super, super fast because we fill the bar faster than you. You're failing to satisfy all those encounters. That timer is counting down. And when you actually satisfy and go the distance and beat the actual boss... The, the sort of the final piece of that encounter, it fills the meter super high. You're not doing that at 690. Literally no way. Because we went in there and we didn't understand it. We were like, why is stuff at 740 coming out? We're not strong enough to do this. Um, but when you're strong enough to do it, you're beating the menagerie faster because you're 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 clearing the boss and then stronger enemies and a stronger boss comes out. You clear those enemies and you clear that boss and a stronger group of enemies and a stronger boss comes out. Eventually, if you're like, you know, 616, 620, you're seeing swords because you're weaker than the encounter. 
but not the encounter at the beginning. So basically you finish and then you go to the next spot and it resets and everything starts coming out at 700 again. So you stop seeing swords. That's why it's a perfect system. Like they literally said, how can we make something accessible, but also rewarding for a hardcore player? I was still doing damage though at the end. No, you weren't. You were not doing da- If you were 690, you were not doing damage to 740 enemies. You probably weren't even getting far enough for the 740 enemies to come out. It's a speed thing, right? The faster you go, the quicker you get to the place where those 740 enemies come out. I'm fairly certain if you're 50 below Delta, you're getting immune. If you're getting like, I don't think you can do damage to a seven a, a 740 when you're 690. I don't even think you probably got them to come out. You were probably going slow, too slow. That's the beauty of the encounter, right? It stretches and it has elasticity. So once you get into the the, the, the low 720, 730s, 740s, the content is still fun for you. You're not just blitzing everything. Final boss is in 740? No, you may have misunderstood. When I said final boss, there's like a quote-unquote final boss for each encounter. You get to like the place where the boss comes out for... Let's say you're doing the Arcborn section. That boss eventually comes out and all of the surrounding enemies at 740. Right? But the final, final, final boss, because it's not failable, final, final, final boss is, I believe, 700. I think. As well as all of its end, as well as all of its ads. Yeah, if you see the sword, you can do damage, but he said he was 690. So if he, if they were going fast enough to get to 740 enemies, they would have been getting immune. Uh, LG Nemesis. What do you think Bungie is doing with the game Matter uh, that they're making with NetEase? It's probably a small team working on like a mobile game would be my guess. Alex Mike. Do you think they will show off some of the new armor features uh, coming in September during Souls of Heroes, similar to how last year they made the weapons and loadout change a few weeks a month before Forsaken, it would suck to grind for armor and then have it not carry over. I don't think they're going to take anything away from you that you got in Season of Opulence, Drifter, or Fo- or The Forge. I don't think they're going to do that. If they do anything, it'll be year one stuff either getting retooled and replaced, so then you kind of feel like grinding for a new armor set from EP or grinding for a new hand cannon from Escalation Protocol or something Uh, but I don't think they're going to just be like oh yeah everything you just got in Opulence is is obsolete they're not going to do that that'd be weird that'd be that'd be too fast but stuff that's two years old I could see them saying yeah that stuff that stuff can't be infused anymore or they make the new stuff so much better and have so many more slots and so many more perks that you're just sort of like the uh you feel that it's really just not worth using year one stuff anymore studly with only seven guns and armor set do you think we are going to run out of stuff to do in a month because of this intentionality i don't think most of the player base will know and once they patch the cheese it'll slow people down heron plays i love the raids but do you think bungie will really put effort into making them more meaningful when less than 10 percent of the player population actually engages them we've had this question for the last four years i don't think they're going to change anytime soon I don't think they're going to change anytime soon, especially if they're if they're digging into the MMO MMO identity, then I don't think they're going to suddenly stop making raids. Uh, if they update Vinewell and EP, could it be possible to change the ability to select them from orbit? Oh, 
Yes, I definitely think that would be something standardized. And Tunica. Ward of Dawn was actually very beneficial in day one, in our day one Crown of Sorrows clear. Likely wouldn't have completed the raid without it. Thoughts on bringing Ward of Dawn in line with Well. Yeah, I mean, if it got you through it because you were it, it, because you'd use it passively and because you were weak, that's not the same as giving him lots of strength and, and utility. So yeah, I think that's where they could start. Give him a strong defensive super and then give him some strong offensive supers as well. Um, a tunica, not really a question, more of a heads up. Specific runes have different drop chances and different activities. Desire seems to dra- wa- drop way more in PvP. Really? Well, thank you. A tunica, what are your thoughts on the current grenade launcher PvE meta? Seems to have come out of nowhere considering we haven't really seen any buffs. I find it hard to believe that Whisper being nerfed brought this about. Well, they did buff grenade launchers a little bit. And I always told people that I thought spike nade launchers were pretty strong. James Work always said that. There were plenty of people in the PvE community that were saying spike nades are really strong. And then when they gave us a little bit more power and they gave us a little bit more ammo, they I think it was like, oh, it was a natural pivot. Because, again, DPS doesn't just come down to maximum damage, but how quickly you can do damage. And grenade launchers are fast, you know? Joe Hulahan. For beginners like myself, I find it hard to get a good exotics, and I'm stuck on level 30. Can't get to 50. Uh, and tell me how to get better legendary exotics. For the record, my power level is 334. I don't do level up guides um, because you just play the game and do milestones, and there's no way for you to get more exotics. So the question, your question kind of doesn't even have an answer. I can't tell you how to get exotics. Um, and if you don't have the DLCs and you're trying to level, I, I don't really have an answer for you. Buy the content to level up. I, I don't even know if you can get beyond where you are without Forsaken. So, buy the content and level up. I mean, if you're playing this this long into the life cycle of the game, then you're if you're not buying content, I don't really understand what you're even working toward. So... Um, if you're listening to this, I'm going to keep streaming. If you've enjoyed this segment and you're new, be sure to click follow button. That's the heart button. If you're new and you haven't done that yet, please do that. That helps support me. I'm going to keep streaming, but I am going to chop this here because this does hit the other platforms. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. As with all of my content, please like, share, and subscribe.